You're listening to The Perth Property Show, Australia's only weekly property podcast by West Australian experts for West Australian listeners. Catch your latest episode every Monday at 7am. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to The Perth Property Show. I'm your host, Trent Fleskins. Thank you very much for listening along. As always, we have my favourite guest back in for the first time in about six months. I've given him a bit of break time to get some data in since COVID so that he can give us some updates on how life's been going from that arm's length valuer position. It's Brendan Ptolemy, Managing Director at Heron Tob White. Thanks for coming in, mate. G'day, Trent. Nice to be here. Has Back it, in the pod. Has it been a nice couple of months for you? Have you spent some family time? Has it been busy or quiet at work? What's going on? From a management point of view, it's been absolutely flat out, real challenge, very, very busy. I've found it really difficult from the angle that uh, you're listening to the world and the world's telling you that you should be off uh, listening to podcasts, uh, mining Netflix uh, back issues, yeah. um, getting rid of all of the uh, the books that you've never read on your bedside table, and I've had none of the time to do that. I've spent the entire time trying to analyze the market, analyze what's happening in business, trying to work out whether you know we're okay from a strategic point of view and a finance point of view. We've got lots of people in our business that we need to look after, and so we're just trying to make their jobs safe, that kind of stuff. So yeah, correction in the market too, in terms of the numbers coming in our door, but that that's very much in line with what's happened with the banks and with uh, sales in the, in the real estate industry. That, that's what people pay you for, right? To have an arm's length, appropriate, unbiased opinion about how our market's going. Yeah, yeah. What, what's Brendan Ptolemy's unbiased opinion about how the Perth market's going? Yeah, well, we're surprised. Let's start there because uh, the market's going better than we thought it would. Obviously, we started the year uh, in a really good position, some really good activity in our marketplace. Uh, January, February, March, we were pretty much the busiest we'd been in a number of years, flowing on from a really good end to, the, to 2019. And we did start as a, as a group in our office, 2020 with a real spring in our steps going, yep, this is it, we're on. Finally. Uh, yeah. Do you remember our first episode, December 2018, and we, th- we were, had our fingers crossed yeah. for it? Yeah, yeah, we were going to bounce back. Yeah, yeah. We, had some a, we had a year of, mi- <laughs> a misstep of a year, and then we got there. Yeah, so that, that was a great way to start the year. But then obviously April, COVID happened back in or middle of March. April was the real effect in terms of the market. And Were you scared? Yeah, yeah. Look, when you don't know what the information is coming out and how it's directly going to affect you, yeah, it certainly was a little bit scary there. But then you do transactions dropped massively, right? Yeah. And that affects your business. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and so you know we're talking to our staff about the worst effects of what what happens. Um, we did have to make some people redundant because we just literally end up with too many people when you and they have no more tasks to do. So what do you do with those people? Have and you called them back that, already? That was pre job keeper. So, uh, yeah, make a few adjustments uh, and then get a better understanding of, of what's happening in the marketplace. Transactions obviously have picked back up and just look to, to colleagues in the industry for data and, and to look where the consumer sentiment's going. So uh, I do recall the first presentation I gave to our team to talk about where things were going. The only picture I had in that presentation was the uh, consumer sentiment graph that had dropped off a cliff. So mm. um, obviously that's bounced back now and, and now we're hearing some really good anecdotal evidence of uh, decent activity out in the marketplace. It's not taken very long, has it? The funny thing was that it was actually the week before McGowan lifted the restrictions on home opens that the market's transactions bounced back again. Yeah. It was before that week. Yep. Isn't yeah. that interesting how sentiment 
on how we all feel in terms of our safety, but our financial safety yep. uh, came back before we even have been able to get back to normal life. Yeah, and that's that's really the, the basis of our surprise. I think what we're seeing there is that there was some already good momentum in our marketplace in terms of people having decided that they would take action. This year? Uh, this year, yep. And then obviously the crisis hits, they all kind of bunker down and, and go and stay home. And weren't we as people in WA really good at that? Yep. And then they, 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 the bargain hunters are out first. They were sitting there going, right, this market's going to correct because there's a crisis. I'll go make a, a cheeky offer on something. Uh, and they were out, you know, the weekend before home opens. And it was really interesting to see, you know, good agents made sure that they were still able to get people through property with either virtual tours or photos or literally getting them an appointment to go through. So there, there was always a little bit of activity going on still. Yeah, so it, it was interesting to see how quickly it came back. I look at the numbers in terms of the, the drop and it's funny how it looks exactly like the Christmas, New Year's fortnight. Yep. It goes from... Uh, numbers going up into the 700 transactions per week level which is pretty much boom level yep and that's not an overstatement that's what it is when it's in the boom time and then it dropped into the mid 200s for a fortnight and that's yep. what every year happens over christmas and yeah. years yeah yeah and then it's come back up again in the space of a month every week you know going up and up and up and you you look back at that and you just think if we didn't know there was a pandemic you sort of would have just thought it was a holiday yeah Another Easter, yeah, because um, we we it actually, was Easter. It as was well. Easter, yeah, <laughs> uh, and we were looking at our numbers, uh, and the discussion within our office was okay. When we on the way into Easter, we were waiting for a slowdown. Didn't really happen. Actually, stayed stronger than we thought on the way out of Easter. Uh, okay, everyone's going to have gone on holidays and shut up shop. And and really, what happened was when everyone went on holidays and when they'd had that spare time, that seems to have been when they've done some planning. So well, they didn't go down south. They went and bought a house. Exactly. They've stayed at home and gone. I don't like this place anymore. I haven't liked it for years. I'm yeah. going to go and buy something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. And, and that lines up as well with the banks. I think uh, it's funny. Like a lot of people call me saying, oh, you know. It, it, they they ask that question, uh, and the and the banks right they're they're so bad these days, aren't they? And I have to actually go back and say, well, to be honest, compared to a year ago, it's actually a lot easier to get a loan. Yeah, the serviceability factor is so much more relaxed, and so is just the criteria on lending. I remember Sam Carello would give a great example of how a bloke would go get coffee every day, and they call that a monthly expense, right? Yeah, uh, they're not doing those those yeah. really tight assessments anymore yep so a big factor of being able to buy a house is just being able to get a loan yeah yeah it seems that the banks need the work yeah they've become pretty relaxed pretty quickly yeah it'd be interesting to know internally and we probably never will won't won't get the honesty out of them but they seem to be more efficient uh some of them in their their processing obviously more efficient in their decision making and then obviously we've got the big factor there of uh, some really really competitive interest rates in particular in fixed rates Uh, i think people making decisions and looking at that medium to longer term and knowing that that fixed rate's probably one of the lowest they're ever going to see. Um, is that a risk? Particular bank. Is that yeah. a risk that our market is being given some level of life support by just how low the interest rates are? And is it not a risk because, well, the reality is those rates will probably stay low for a long time. Yeah, and uh, this, is, this is where we get that balance between East and West Coast that we love so much in, in Western Australia because those interest rates have very much been set for the East Coast. You know, the RBA are well aware of an overpriced property market over there and so we get to benefit from 
you know, literally, if it was WA-only interest rates, they probably wouldn't be that low because we were starting to see some recovery and we don't need that much encouragement no. to get back in the marketplace. So, That's what causes our boom and bust. It's yeah. not ju- everyone has this perspective. It's the mining boom. Yeah. It's not. It's our counter-cyclical monetary policy with the East Coast. Yep, yep. And so East Coast, uh, there's been some pretty good headlines. I think um, Matt Komen from CBA was saying 32% drop in ha- uh, house prices over there. At the same time, I think the same report from CBA was saying less than 5% for the West Coast. So we are definitely going to be in a different trajectory in Where the are we next going to see uh, those six or 12 months. Brendan? Well, we are still seeing some decreases in properties at the, in property prices at the moment, just slight corrections where our valuers are going and saying, well, look, you know, this is off slightly from what it would have been a couple of months ago. So, uh, And they're generally the outer suburbs. So newer suburbs uh, with newer housing in them where there is some competition and there is some supply, that's where essentially people are coming through and trying to buy that bargain. Now, I have to emphasize that they're only slight decreases. We're talking about 10 20, 15 grand, that, that type of number. Is that, you can tell that because the houses are so cookie cutter out there? Yeah, and you know, our, our, our valuers are out there every single Lots day. Lots of data. Um, and they see exactly the same stuff. So yeah, a lot of three by two, a lot of four by two, very similar product. And so you get to the stage where, you know, you're quite sure that the one that you walk through uh, two months ago would have sold for 350 and now it's selling for 340 and so someone's getting a, a half decent deal now having said all of that there's some pretty good demand in some of these locations and Mandra has been called out as a uh, an anecdotal story from our valuer down there what a there. surprise yeah so properties that have been on the market as we know down there for a long period of time some of them a year or so and suddenly what our valuer is seeing down there is uh, multiple people fighting over that home that's been on the market for a year and we all stand back cynically and say well why, why didn't you buy it in the last year or so but obviously the demand's coming through a little bit less supply even though it is still oversupplied in Mandra and essentially people may be missing out on what happened down the road so I liked that one I missed out on that one. Someone else bought that. I better go and offer a little bit more to get this one down the road. Hang on. I've just walked in the door and there's another person ready to buy. So the competition's there. It's great. It probably won't drive prices up very quickly down there, but it's good to see the sales rates increasing. What you're explaining to me is probably just a finally a bit of a balancing of demand and supply in that sub-market. Yeah, exactly. And then, not, not going crazy, but just a lot of the supply is starting to be soaked up and there are people in the market who have saved a bit of money, interest rates are lower, yep. and they're entering. Yeah, and that's probably the, the headline that we should be uh, should be splashed all over the front page of the West is that supply. Uh, we're down at 11,500 properties on the market, off from 16,500 this time last year, I think we were. So huge decrease in terms of stock. For it is of- big. Like I know that those two numbers sound arbitrary. It's like, oh, what does that number even mean? Yeah, that's a massive difference in supply. Yep. There are two parts of an equation for growth: demand and supply. Yep. Even if demand stays the same, if supply keeps going down, price has to go up. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. And so. To, to take 5,000 properties out of the market, obviously there's a few different factors there. There are people withdrawing properties and people leasing properties and all those kinds of things and, and potentially developers pulling big chunks of stats out of the market as they might uh, pull some land off the market, something like that. But we know that there's a lot of transaction in there too and we know that this transactions year on year are up at the moment yes. versus last year. So That's the confluence point yeah. here. It's not only that supplies are dropping, it's that transactions are increasing yeah, at the same time. Yeah. So for every three properties being sold, only two are coming on the market, two yep. new ones. Yep. That's a really strange situation. Normally you would see in a, in a market where just activity slows down, there are less buyers and less sellers, right? Yeah. But we've got, we've got more transactions and less sellers. Yes. 
Yep. How far can it go? That's the question. And and that yep. is the those are the numbers, the fundamental numbers that don't lie. They don't equal price growth or they don't you can't put them together and go that equals a five percent growth this year. Yep. But when those numbers all go in one direction, in the right direction, you can't dispute that. The surprising thing about all of this since the pandemic is that they've kept going those ways. Yeah, yeah. And now are the numbers, as you say, uh, as we're looking to uh, find out whether we're okay going forward in terms of our business and, and what the market's doing, uh, as soon as we came out of the other side of April uh, and start looking at the, the May numbers, we were all discussing those in the office going, wow, hang on. Look at the transactions on the weekend. This is going crazy. And then hearing those um, the stories back from our colleagues around other parts of the property industry. So new home sales, uh, display home walkthroughs, right up and signing on the dotted line, right up. Mm. Land sales, uh, our value would go and look down in the southeast corridor or a couple of estates there, there where he would see multiple land sales over a weekend where we were expecting to see zero. Yeah, so, no one out and about. Yeah. Segway for me into... Wiggy spoke about where we would see drops if we do see drops, yep. which would be reasonable to expect, especially in the markets where people have lost their jobs. What about markets where you're seeing continual strength? Can you point to some some areas where you not only have they just sort of held their ground, but you're going, mate, you wouldn't even know there was a pandemic. These things just keep going. Yeah, so that's there is still an underlying softness to a lot of the market because there is just that little caution there or that 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 hesitation from people. So there's not enough strength in any particular suburb at the moment for us to say, oh, that's going gangbusters. But still that kind of within 10 to 14 odd Ks of this Perth CBD uh, and the ring that goes right around the outside, there is still that underlying strength there. Now, it's very price sensitive in that um, once you get it to about a mil and a half in, in those locations, it gets really sensitive about whether people are looking for a bargain or will try to trade up. And you can probably take that down to the kind of $700,000 level. So still some really good transaction activity there and some undersupply in pockets of suburbs where uh, essentially people have been cautious and waited to sell and therefore there's no no supply for people to come and buy. And so it's kind of restricting some of that activity. One thing that I've noticed has continued to contract as well is the days on market number. Yep. Back in September, our average days on market was 84 days, which yep. is a deplorable number yeah, for yeah. problem, right? Yep. That number has continued to drop all the way through. Now, 40 days. Now, the fastest suburbs are about 20 days. Shenton Park is 20 days. And a prime example of what I was just talking about, like good location. Uh, Lots it, of doctors and dentists. And all <laughs> plenty that. of equity, that yep. kind of thing around. And yeah, people that haven't got something in there are going, hang on, there's not enough supply here. What am I going to buy? The smart money moves first. Yep. Are you seeing that in this contrarian time? We're kind of talking about which value level. So the 1 million plus is still hesitant transactions happening. So the turnover's there. Some of the high volume selling locations, that highest selling suburb in the last few weeks, Baldivis is always, in there. Always, Definitely some investors in there saying, hey, wow, this is cheap, rentable product in a yeah. pretty good location. You can um, buy a double brick house in Armadale for 100 grand. Yeah. It is way below replacement value. Yeah, exactly. And when you look at a block of land, uh, times that at least. Yeah. Even further away, like smaller. Byford. Yeah, 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 yeah good you know? point. Yep. Can I ask you a question that I ask real estate agents every week in a way that doesn't implicate you? <laughs> If you had a half a million bucks to to spend, could you give us a, like an area where that would be of value to you? Yeah, without well, it being general advice. Yes, yeah, yeah. I definitely can't give general advice. I I was always a fan of land, so I'd be looking to buy the biggest 
piece of land I can in the best location in terms of uh, existing infrastructure. And I'd be trying to buy, probably retain and build. Okay. Um, so that starts narrowing down some of those options. And that's just you personally, yeah. based on your situation? Yeah. When you say existing infrastructure, do you mean in a good state school lo- zone or yeah. next to shops, those sort of things? Yeah. So, I'd, um, you know... Local cafes going okay. Um, you know, give people a reason to want to be there, whether they're renting or, or buying, and probably see a little bit of gentrification going on in terms of you know the the local area having some money injected in it. Basically, so you want to yep. see a, a suburb where other people are doing developments too. It probably yeah. possibly leads to well, if it's good for the goose, probably good for the gander. Yeah, exactly. We don't want to reinvent the wheel, and then it comes down to that. You know, can you get a retain and build? So what is, what does the front look like? How much money do I need to spend there? Do your feasibility on it and. See whether you can make a return. I want to ask you another cheeky question. <laughs> north or south? I would be north only because I'm a, a north of the river boy, so I know those suburbs really well. Are Having... you inherently biased because you're a north of the river yeah, boy? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so the most biased answer you get from our most unbiased person. <laughs> So it's more that I know, like I know most suburbs in Perth really well. I've been doing so. this for yeah. more than 20 years um, and, and have valued in all of them. Uh, but I would just feel more comfortable that I know some of those suburbs better. That's yep. the point though, right? Even if you're Brendan Ptolemy, top valuer in Perth, you still invest where you know. Yep. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's pretty simple. I, I my tip would always be to try and keep that investment as simple as possible. So, uh, I know it's easy to dream big and getting uh, really caught up in what your investment return is going to be. If you can only afford to go and buy a place in Beldivis and rent it out and get a return, then do that. Don't go and do the the retain and build. Well, you if, won't be able to do it if you can't yeah, do it, right? Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, same with the retain and build. Like, if it's your first one. Maybe don't go and buy buy a, a five unit site and try and build five units. Mm. Like, let's start off with something relatively straightforward. Yeah, that's a really good tip. Risk mitigation. Yep. should be your first and foremost uh, part of your strategy yep. and then making profit yep. and then minimizing tax afterwards, yeah. right? Yeah, it yeah. should never be the other way around. Yep. And, you know, you, it's really easy to overcomplicate things. Certainly, if you're going to start dealing with builders and tradies and those kinds of people, all of that is a, enough of a challenge and time sap on your time just in terms of trying to get a small development up and going, let alone, you know, building one house is pretty hard compared to uh, yeah, sitting three or four or five, but, right? Yep. I, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you see that all the time, the unfortunate end of the story, especially in the last couple of years, where you've been asked to go on value for a construction loan, three or four contracts and plans. Yep. And you see, this isn't stacking up, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of that's been really difficult, especially as we went through that correction of construction costs kind of drifting down, uh, property prices correcting a bit, and then and money wasn't as cheap as it is right now. Uh, sometimes to get those feasibilities to stack up, um, we've, we're actually doing a lot of work at the moment for feasibility type answers. So people doing small to medium sized unit developments, essentially coming to us and saying, look, I know what I think it's worth, but I think we better work out what the valuer thinks it's worth. Well, we've done that with you guys personally at Strategic. I've come straight to you and said on the stuff that stretches us. Yep. Look, we think we know what this is worth, but what do you guys think? Yeah. That's a really valuable service. Yeah. Yeah. And what we're trying to do is tell you what we think we're going to value it at for the bank. And then that gives you a much more honest idea of your feasibility. Obviously, you're more than welcome to beat our our answers. uh, And that's probably the challenge, you know, as you get to the the end of the project. uh, That's so important, Brendan. At the end of the day, 
for us to be able to get our development up, and this is a bit of a digression, but I like it. For us to be able to get our, our development up, we need the bank to play ball with us. Yep. But the bank doesn't set the value. It's you. Yeah, yeah. So we actually need the valuer to play ball with us. So if yep. we can check that off at the start, uh, 12 months before we even get to that stage, yep. that's risk mitigation. Yeah, yeah. And we're excited about some of that work at the moment because obviously uh, with some of the state government incentives happening on the back end of COVID, there, there could be some projects jumping out of the ground pretty quickly, but people obviously need to make sure they got their numbers right before they go ahead. What projects are you seeing that are actually making sense, getting off the ground, moving quickly and selling quickly? Yeah, well, it's still some of the most simplistic stuff. So uh, what we would call a group house, um, you know, the small group house type developments where you've got three or four units on a site, single level. It's very straightforward. Like a triplex. Yeah, triplex type development. And they are really competitively priced once they come to the market. They're going to rent okay. They're in a good location. They, they all still turn over really well. We have seen some apartment complexes sell really well. The baby boomer level of apartment complexes has been ones. absolutely surprising to us um, yeah. for uh, the last couple of years, and it continues that trend. So uh, consistently, baby boomers going to buy higher spec apartments uh, either off the plan or once built and essentially moving in there for their new lifestyle. So, yeah, that, that's been a really good surprise as well. Yep. Okay. Sounds like what we're looking for is two things. Keep it simple. And keep the spec high. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, it is really surprising to go have a look at display homes these days uh, at any any level. But as, at, down at the cheapest level of construction, the spec is still really high. Maybe it's been driven by the block and people being more knowledgeable about finishes or just having more options. But it is pretty amazing what how the, the finishes can go on a new house these days. At the end of the day, these are products that people are selling. Developers yep. are selling products, and if you uh, if you can't sell a lifestyle then it's hard to argue anything on the profit side of the equation. It then becomes a numbers game, right? Yep. Yeah, so yep. you don't want to be a developer tussling over numbers. You want to be tussling over the lifestyle. Yep. Yeah, spot on. Yep. I like the digression, Brendan. Thanks very much, mate. <laughs> uh, we'll get you in again to chat regional space. Cheers, Trent. Thank you. Okay, suburb spotlight time. We are talking about one of Perth's mainstays, one of Perth's most resilient suburbs over the last five years. Lots of demand, not a lot of supply. It's Willerton, our number one agent in Willerton. The only person I want to speak to today is Raymond Chen. Thank you very much for coming in, mate. Thank you so much, Trent, for having me. What an interesting suburb. So many factors that make this a good suburb to want to live in. But we have to start with the school, don't we? Yep, Willerton has a lot of good schools, you know, and the two main ones are Rossmoy Senior High and Willerton Senior High. And there are a few very good schools, primary schools as well, and uh, such as your Rostrada Primary School and Willerton Primary and also uh, Barenda Primary School. Matt, you're glossing over it there very quickly. When we talk about our, fa- our fundamentals for what makes a good place to invest in property, yep. one of them is close to the water. It's yep. not that far from the Canning River. That's right. Second is close to the city. It's got some good thoroughfares through. That's right. Third is close to shops, which it is obviously yes. close to. But what is the real factor in Willerton you just glossed over real quick <laughs> okay. is that we overlap in yeah. a lot of places on the top two state schools That's in right. Perth. That's huge, right? Yeah. Well, Rossmoy Senior High has been ranked uh, the top public school for many years now, and ever since I started selling more than twelve, about twelve years ago, and last year it came in uh, number twelve, including well in, in the whole list. But if you are saying uh, public schools, it came in the second top uh, after Perth Morden, yep, and Willerton Senior High came in the third. 
Yeah. Uh, and and for a few years prior, Willerton did come in uh, a bit better. You know, one one rank before uh, Rossmoyne. Yep. But last year, Rossmoyne is caught up again. So unless your kids are genius, the top yeah. two schools you can send them to are Rossmoyne and Willerton. Yep. And it's obviously zone based to get in there. That's right. And Willerton overlaps both of those two zones. D- that's right. Does Rossmoyne go all the way through Willerton, or is it just a portion? No. So Rossmoyne only has a small portion, and it borders from your all the way to uh, Donald Street and as well as uh, to Flamingo Way in, in Willerton. So only a small little section. Does that in influence the prices? Well, it does. You know, so years ago when I first started selling, right, everyone just won Rossmoyne. That, that was before Willerton became uh, a very famous school as well. And the, the price differential right, between Rossmoyne and uh, Willerton for the same house probably would be around 40000 And for a long time, that, that was the, the, the benchmark uh, between the two uh, uh, zones. And then thereafter, when Willerton started catching up, right, then... Um, you see buyers now then being more open to, to buying in Willerton Senior High and, and the prices started to be become more equal. But having said that, in recent years, Willerton's, uh, Rossmoy Senior still uh, sells for a little bit more than, than Will, uh, Willerton. And I'll just quote you an example. Just only last weekend, uh, there, you know, it was a very stormy uh, uh, Sunday. We had that, that storm come through and I had a first home open uh, on one of my listings at, uh, on Eagles Walk. And out of that home open, I had about, what, nine groups of buyers through, and I wrote two offers on it. And it was asking seven twenty nine for a three-bedroom, two-bathroom house, you know, which was uh, quite a lot of money. For, it's above for, the median house price, that's yeah, for sure. Yeah, it is, definitely, yep. yeah. Uh, just generally, though, the northern side of Willerton, it should be the more expensive side, just given it's closer to the, the city and the shops, right? Well, it, it depends, you know. So, so in the northern side of uh, Willerton, the north side of Acanthus especially, uh, the blocks tend to be bigger at 809 square meters or even slightly bigger than that. And then when you're south of Epsley Road, right, they tend to be 683 square meters, so quite a fa- fair bit smaller. Yeah, so clearly uh, the product is different. The product is different. And on top of that, that, that section that's nearer to Leach Highway and, and the north part, right, they, they tend to be older as well. So so that's the starting part of Willerton, and most houses there were built around the late 60s. Subdividable? Yeah, well, it depends, you know, so, so long as they're above six, 855 square meters, uh, they are potentially subdividable. It's just recently been, uh, a few years ago, rezoned from 70.5 to R20. Yeah. So anything that's 855 and above, you know, um, it and, is potentially And there's more likely that you'll find those in the northern half that's than the right. southern half. That's right, yep. yeah. Yeah, okay. Yep. Let's wind it back a little bit. Yep. Before the school factor came in with with Ross Moyne and Willerton, yep. what sort of a suburb was Willerton? Who was buying into there back in the day? What was the lifestyle? If you can give us a bit of an idea, obviously... But way before your twelve yeah. years of experience. Well, probably before when I before I started selling in Willerton, I think a lot of the typical family would be just just a, a very modest income earning family, and it's just a very traditional suburb, you know. Just a um, family stronghold. Yeah, yeah, nothing too middle unique, of the suburbs. Nothing too unique about it, you know. So, but with the schools coming up. Uh, strongly in the ranking, you know, uh, the demographics have just changed. A lot of uh, f- foreign buyers, you know, new migrants, um, they are attracted to schools, you know, and, and they value highly on education, and therefore they, they they don't mind spending a lot of money just to get into the suburb so that their kids are guaranteed a place in the school. Look, you clearly got an accent yourself. Yep. Is the Chinese market the biggest market in Willerton, and what other ethnicities are big yep. on that area? Yeah. Well. 
the that's a very good question. You know, in Willerton and surrounding few suburbs, a lot of buyers tend to be from Asia, and the main countries would be from China, Singapore, where I come from, Malaysia, and as well as uh, uh, Hong Kong. There are a lot of buyers that are from India as well and Sri Lanka. Sri Lanka, I, yeah, I noticed there's yeah. a big Sri Lankan so, mark around Bull Creek as well. Yeah, so there there is you know these are the main denomination, the, the cultures that you know are, they value are drawn, education. The values, yeah, yeah. that they are drawn to the schools. They're also yeah. drawn to, I guess, when. Uh, certain f- families come in; they want to be close to each other exactly as well. Exactly right. Exactly right. You know, in in the Asian culture, especially Chinese, um, the kids would like to live near the parents so that they can look after each other. You know, and and therefore people are just wanting to be close to families, their own uh, immediate family, their their friends. You know, so that's the draw cut apart from having the schools as a bonus. Do you think that the recent rezoning in the city of Canning will help proliferate that? Yes. Keeping people in their suburb. Yes. Are people happy about it? Yes. Well, it depends. You know, so it's a bit still too early to talk about it. You it know, only happened you know, last so week. <laughs> that's right. You know, we only got gazetted uh, last week, but it's been a long time in the in the works. You know, so many years it's been in the plans. You know, I've spoken in between. I've spoken to many uh, uh, residents as well. Some of them are just concerned about the the infield. You know, and the higher density. Would it? become more congested in the immediate area that they're living, you know. So, but most people are, are very open to it, you know, because that, that would mean uh, cheaper land, you know, people can get in, build new houses, you know. Um, the, the, those who are sitting on proposed, well, it was proposed R40, but now they are R40, then would gain that, that increase in land value. Yep. You know, so to them, you know, it's a bonus, you know, and there's only a few streets that are that are zoned R40 now, big, big homes. Yeah, yeah interesting. Yeah. Um, with regards to any other lifestyle factors, we've focused on the schools. What else is good about living in Willerton? Well, Willerton has a, a quite amazing basketball team um, called the Willerton Tigers. Tigers, and um, recently the the stadium has done an eleven million dollar expansion, and so it's very modern now. And apart from that, um, it has a tennis club. Uh, there is uh, cricket cricket grounds, and as well as your the the Southland Shopping Centre, Southlands Boulevard. In Southland Southlands Boulevard, Vard, there is your uh, cinemas, hot cinema. There is shopping. There is your Coles and Woolies. So it's a it's a, a bit of a hub. So you've got in, in you've Willerton. got really that shopping on both sides. On the north you have the Riverton hub, yep. and on the south you have the Southlands Th- hub. That, that's right. You know, and not 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 only that, there is that Willerton Library, and and there's a lot of GPs and and childcare center all around. A lot of parks everywhere scattered around Willerton. So um, it, it's it's just a great lifestyle, you know, um, to to be in Willerton. Yeah. What do you think of the high density townhouse development on the back of Willerton? Yeah. Give us your honest answer. Okay. Well, that development has been going on for a few years now, and that part of Willerton, it's probably the, a harder location to sell. Reason being, it is uh, backing up to Row Highway, and there, and it's quite close to power lines as well. The it's very high density where. Um, wall to wall, isn't it? Yeah. Well, the the townhouses are well, if you like, call them townhouses. Um, they are they are built uh, almost next to each other. There's hardly any parking space, you know. And and yeah, well, it really depends on the buyers. Um, Who have been the buyers that have been buying in? Yeah. Well, and and that that's the the key thing, you know. I think a lot of buyers who are buying in that location, right? They just want to get into the school, you know, Willerton Senior High. They don't have a big budget, and they just want to buy a newer house you know a, a new house you know and and therefore they would compromise on uh, the size of the the land high density sort of uh, uh, 
Um, what is the price point for them? What are they going for? Well, to when my, they do sell, what are they selling yeah, for? Well, to my knowledge, I think they are selling around the, the early f- early to mid fives, you know. Yeah. So um, everything all done, you know. So, but I I, I might be wrong, you know. Yeah. So, but I, I think it's somewhere around that. that sort Look, of it's a range. cheaper option when you compare it to square meterage and a bigger house. Um, I guess it is a pretty interesting option for those who are just well, focused on getting into school. Well, having said that, you know, there are there will be more and more opportunities coming up in, in Willerton and surrounding suburbs because of that recent rezoning to R40. Mm. Um, and and being R40, right, you, you only need a minimum of 180 square meters and an average of 220. Yeah. And therefore, you would see on a 680 square meter block or 700 square meter block, um, in the future, you would see a lot more double two duplexes yeah. or even triplexes you know or three three onto one lot and then so you'll be very similar to those you know in that that location there so what you're telling me is that very similar product will come up S- in much around. in much better locations That's in the right. suburb exactly right. making it harder to see value at the bottom next to the highway next to the power line super dense exactly right yeah exactly it's right. an interesting well i think the idea at the time had the best intentions but yep. my perspective on it is that if it met the market, it should have all sold out by now. Yep. A long time ago. Well, it's well the, the product may not suit everyone, you know. Yeah. So it really depends on your your personal situation. But that's the research we need to do, right? Yeah. When we're having these conversation about the suburb like yep. Bulletin, yep. we want to know Raymond yep. Chen, top agent, who who are the buyers? Will the buyers? take up a product like this at the back of Willerton next to Powerlines, next to yeah. Road Highway, will there be a market for it and at what price? And clearly what I'm seeing is that people obviously do value the school zone, yep. but they also value being closer to amenities, away from the noise, away from power lines, right. and on uh, and not in a super high density area. That's right, yeah. Well, that next section of Willerton is also further away from Willerton Senior High. So some people would like to buy nearer to Southlands you know, so that the kids can walk to school, you know, to, mm. to Southland Shopping Centre, to the library. And so that's so, so you pay for that convenience. You pay for for being in a... It's a walk yeah. score. Yeah. yeah. And that, that well, location right. probably doesn't have a lot of that walk score. Let's move on to, uh, I, I guess, a really quick explanation on your buyers and sellers. Yep. What's an average buyer for you? Is it a young couple? Is it a young family? Is it an older family? What do they look like? Yep. And who's selling? Yeah, well, for buyers, right, they tend to be young families, you know, and they have young children children who are looking at moving, uh, schooling in, in Rossmore or Willerton Senior High. And so um, many of them... Uh, are, Second house, first house? Well, it depends. You know, some, some of them are, are first-time buyers and they are ready to buy in the school zone, but there are some who are living in outer suburbs like Canningvale, uh, um, Parkwood even and they are just wanting to move into this area getting now. ready for high school so that's right you know so yep. but many of them tend to be tend to have young young kids and they are working adults um, they don't have a lot of time to manage uh, 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 gardens and you know so they, they just want to get in the school zone and, and let their kids go to school you know and the, the seller the typical seller would be um, someone who's lived there for a long time and they are looking to downsize kids have left school the, kids have left school finished schools you know and, and they they just want to downsize, move somewhere else, get that gain, you know, after all these years and, and yeah, downsize and enjoy life. Yeah. Okay, fantastic. Yeah. Now, price points, not a whole lot of variance in Willerton. Lots of family homes. Yep. As we said, rezoning only just happened. Yep. What, are we, what can we buy? What's the cheapest thing I could buy in Willerton? The next thing and then how expensive can it get? Yeah. Well, 
the one of the cheapest houses that I've sold, right, um, would be one that I sold on Epsley Road last year, and that that was around four hundred thousand dollars for a, a duplex, a two by one duplex. Duplex half. Duplex half, yeah, yep. with adjoining walls. Super well, quite quite old. Um, and they're the most, probably the least desirable type of property in Perth. Well, it's limited in what you can do to it, you know, in terms of development, you, you, and. Um, there are smaller houses and, and so the accommodation is quite limited as well. Mm. But again, I've seen small houses like that with four or five people living in it. Wow. You know, so they just want to get in the school just and, and they just want to buy something that they can afford. But variance of price, right, can be really great. The most expensive property that, that was sold in Willerton, right, residential, um, was sold by me about maybe five, six years ago. And that was sold at $1.4 million. Wow. And so in between, in this past 10 years or so, I've sold eight that's crossed a million dollars. So they are very expensive homes. And the, the expensive homes are normally the, the newer ones or those that are subdividable. Okay. So, so you know, to build a new house is somewhere around the $350,000 uh, to about $600,000 even, you know. So, Plus the and, land. And the land is already about six hundred, the early to mid 600s. You know, by, by the time you put on a new house, your cost is already over a million dollars. What would be the median average sort of house that you would, it would be you know, a four by one, a three by one, yep. square meterage? What would the price yeah. be? If I just came to you with the most yep. normal Willerton house, what yep. would it be? So, so if it's a standard block size of 683 square meters thereabouts, uh, for three by one, you'd be looking around the 620,000 plus minus 20,000 thereabouts, depending on which part of Willerton you are, you are at. Whether the block's sunken, you know, whether it's rectangular shape, you know, so s- other attributes would uh, affect the price. And if it's a four by two, you range around the seven hundred thousand dollars, you know, and to about eight hundred thousand dollars. So it depends. Big or change. Big yeah. change. There's a bit of house value in that, isn't there? Yeah, that's right. You know, but you know, there are many houses that are, you know, e- even though older homes, you know, built mid seventies that are clearing nine hundred nine hundred thousand dollars if it's very well renovated, you know, so they can sell almost as much as a brand new house. And let's segue into that subdivision space. Yeah. Uh, where is that new zoning? What is it? And what would you suggest people should be looking at doing in Willerton? Well, Willerton, Willerton has a, a, a few uh, classes of zoning. You know, so um, it starts with R20 and then R30 and then R40, right? The, um, most of it is R20. And then you have a small section of R30 that's near IGA on Absley Road. And also the R40, you would see areas from the north part of uh, Willerton near Leach Highway, and stretching all the way to Averley and then all the way across to along the, the both sides of High Road and as well as near Southland Shopping Centre. So it's still quite a large area of R40 and those are the areas, the main areas. Oh, if, if you had uh, enough money to go and do a subdivision today or, or a development, yep. what would that look like? What would the end result be that yep. would meet your market? Yep. You could sell it straight away. Yeah. Well, the, the most sought after product in Willerton at the moment right, would be those that are on a corner um, and being R20, so long, as, so, long, so long as you are 700 square meters and, and above, um, you are potentially subdividable. And many of them are selling around the, the, the mid-6 uh, to high 600s, and there are some that's cleared 700,000. I've sold one recently on Silver Top Terrace, and that was bought cash at 715,000. So, so there, these are the product, um, these are the type of properties that will sell very well because you have white frontages on both sides, mm. you know, and, and a lot of buyers are just looking to invest, and then they, they will subdivide, and then they'll sell the land. Um, There's a lot of that in Willerton, isn't there? Well, there's a lot of getting, land subdivision. Yeah, that's right. It's getting more why and more. Why aren't the subdividers also building? This subdivision, corner subdivision, has only started probably about um, two years or so ago. And you started catching up and you get more and more now. And a lot of the, the owners do not want to take the whole risk of building, mm. you know, and, and, and the time 
They're looking for well, a, you know, a, a, quick, a cash out essentially. Yeah, that's right. Uh, you know, just go in quick and then sell, subdivide and then sell. You know, so uh, I've got a couple of listings uh, that the owners has decided to build in Bull Creek, though. You know, where the owners torn down the, the old house and they're, they're rebuilding new houses. Then again, most would not. But I, I would think this would change um, in time to come, where it becomes R forty, where the lot is subdivided into three, four, yeah, five. You sort and, of need to build. And you you need to build in in that space there. You know, so instead of selling the small little lots, and you you be more cost effective for the the, the developer to build all. Yeah, they're not townhouses and then anymore. There won't be street. Yeah, yeah, so you have all just down a driveway. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that's I'm really interested to see how that market takes on the that new triple x level yep. development where is the where are the buyers coming from and what are they going to pay i'll be so interested to yep. see where how much demand is taken I, up i i think there will be a demand for it you know because considering the the size of the block the the affordability you know a lot of houses now in willerton on the main on the big block 700 square meters would be selling around the the, the seven hundred thousand dollars thereabouts as i mentioned yeah it's not cheap and it's not cheap yeah well if you if you're in a smaller location you know i mean sorry a smaller block right then it's become more affordable. And if somewhere around $500,000, dollars $700,000 and you can get a new house, I think a bar is more willing to consider that than to live in a, a bigger block, which they may not necessarily need, mm. and, but they have the, the, the bonus of having, living in a new house. And a lot of Asian buyers, right, who come from, especially Singapore and the, the more modern pretty sort small, of... Pretty small they're, apartments, They're right? accustomed to <laughs> the, the shoebox sort of apartment living, you know, and they, they, they don't really need their outdoor space, you know, they, and... Some of them don't even have the time to, to, to don't maintain even want it. The outdoor space. You, yeah. That's so, the thing about that's where I was going before with Woolwichin. It's so funny that you have this Asian market that is yeah. so used to living in shoeboxes yeah. come over and maybe they come over because they want the backyard. Yeah. But at the same time, surely there has to also be a market of people who go, yep. didn't have it, never want it. I just want nice, yep. new, clean, good sized bedrooms, yep. good living, yep. in and out, no maintenance. Go to school. That's right. So it really depends on every single individual's budget. You know, some some of them they come here really loaded with um, cash, yeah. having sold back back home. Yeah. And and they come here, they they are literally buying properties with cash. Cash. I yeah. Recently, no problems. I recently sold a property in in Rossmore at one point six three five cash. You know, yeah. and and it, so it really depends. But there are some who are just really quite low on budget. You know, and and but they still want something modern. They, they don't live in a old 40-year-old house and that's why a lot of buyers right they come here and they, they think oh wow Wellington is only I mean the houses here are six built in the 60s 70s or even 80s and they find they find it really old yeah. and they want something modern and they don't want to hassle of renovating and I think this would suit that sort of that market market that, that's right and there's I guess instead of having status in size the status in newness newness the yeah. the quality you know the convenience of being that location nearer yeah. to school and whatever yeah that's fantastic right Raymond I really look forward to now as a developer myself having an opportunity to start providing that product and seeing how the market takes it up yep Wonderful. mate last question sure. what's the median house price well according to Rewa the medium house price is 690,000 and what so, would you do with it if you had that in your pocket and I said you had to buy in Willerton today right well if I have if I had six hundred ninety thousand, I would buy a corner lot um, that is subdividable, R twenty over seven hundred square meters, and yeah, I'll, I would subdivide into two lots and I'll sell that. And even better, if it's if it's on a corner and it's R forty, and and potentially there'll be three lots all street f- uh, facing, you know. And I think the demand for that sort of pro- product would be really high. Yeah, uh, well, in, an, in and out land split. Yeah, that's right. So just sell sell land, you know. 
We need some balls, Raymond. I want to see uh, some development going on. Yes. Uh, and and uh, I think that's going to be the really interesting spot for this space is how is that is that taken up. But thank you very much for your time, mate. Clearly an expert in your suburb. And uh, it means a lot to have you as our, our 80th number one agent come through the door. Thank you so much for having me, Trent. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Perth Property Show. If you've only just joined the conversation, you can catch up by heading over to our website, perthpropertyshow.com.au, subscribing to the podcast or joining our Facebook page. Don't forget to tune in next Monday at 7am for more expert insights, local analysis and suburb spotlights. Happy hunting!